Hey, how's it going, everybody out there? Welcome to another edition, another episode of Zoo Box Goes to the Movies. Stay at home stuff. Ain't no movies to go see in the theater. So we got to talk about what is on offering through streaming services and VOD and all sorts of great stuff. I'm going to be uh, doing this one solo today, so bear with me. Hopefully I don't get lost. Hopefully I don't stutter. Hopefully it's still interesting. Well, today I want to bring to everybody's attention a show, actually, that I recently watched called Devs. It's uh, on Hulu through their FX on Hulu service or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Yeah, it's directed and created and written by Alex Garland. And if you don't know who Alex Garland is, he's kind of the only person working in mainstream, like hard science fiction right now, at least in terms of somebody that's actually getting movies made now a television show. He started out as a writer. He was a novelist. Uh, One of his first big successes was, was the book The Beach, which he turned into a screenplay for Danny Boyle and then continued working with Dan- Danny Boyle for years after that. Uh, he also wrote 28 Days Later, Sunshine, um, and then he wrote and directed himself, Ex Machina, and uh, a couple years ago he had Annihilation, which are all things that I love. Um, I really love this guy's work. I love his perspective. He is, in the truest sense, like kind of continuing the grand tradition of speculative science fiction and, uh, you know, where, where things are kind of grounded a little bit more in some type of reality. Now, granted, there are fantastical elements. There's a lot of liberties taken, but generally it's kind of his story surrounds something that is more or less imaginable um, to a certain extent. Maybe not so much annihilation. That's more of like a kind of a first contact story almost like nightmare where all we throw all the rules of physics of our natural world out the window and experience this new uh, paradigm that exists within uh, what's happening in the movie. And maybe someday I'll actually talk about Annihilation. It's uh, I think it's really underrated, underseen as well. That's a problem with a lot of his directorial efforts so far as they're underseen and devs, unfortunately, is no different. I have not seen a ton of people talk about devs. This is not something that's uh, burning up the burning up the charts or anything like that, um, which is a shame because it's excellent. It's an eight-episode series. Like I said, it's on FX on Hulu. And um, would you have to have Hulu to see it, though? It's only on Hulu. Uh, it stars Sonoya Mizuno, Nick Offerman, and a really fantastic casting coup because he's playing completely against type. This is a completely dramatic role, kind of unlike anything he's done in the past. You know, if you know who Nick Offerman is, he's uh, he's on Parks and Rec and he has been working in comedy mainly for the past decade, 15 years. Um, it also stars Allison Pill and Zach Grenier and then um, just a whole cornucopia of other great great character actors and whatnot, some up and up and coming people that are really interesting. Um, it's just across the board. The performances this are crazy good. Um, so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk spoiler free for the first little bit. And then I will, I, there's some story stuff I want to get into. I think this is interesting discussion and interesting kind of twists and turns that the story takes, but just, uh, I will let you know when I end up doing that. But just off the top, just in general, I really love the series, which if you've been listening so far, is probably not a huge surprise to you. Um, I think it is one of the best 
pieces of speculative science fiction in the modern era. Uh, it's much better than uh, Amazon kind of has a series out right now called in the loop or something like something in the loop, something uh, or yeah, I think it's called in the loop. It's a kind of an anthology esque science fiction show. That's probably more akin to something like outer limits. Devs is a one story uh, that takes about almost seven hours to complete. It's kind of like a, a very literary, very like novel almost in its, in its structure. Um, and it's about a tech company that is working on some sort of secretive program or secret or secretive project rather that is trying to, what's the way to put it without spoiling anything. Uh, that's, that's looking to understand the nature and complexities of the human experience and what the human experience actually is. And can you track it? And is there enough data? And can you create a program that will be able to interpret that data, um, to kind of reveal things about the past and the future. So, and it goes into many, many different layers of this kind of stuff. Um, it has kind of the tech side of things and what's going on. And there's like a mystery that's unfolding as you're watching the show. The mystery is basically what is this machine that they're building? What is this program and what will they do to kind of ensure it's, it's uh, supremacy. It's, it's survival. Um, it's something that is kind of, it's like on the, on the balance of being unethical and ethical. And they have all these sorts of philosophical questions about, should we know certain things, you know, especially about when it comes to things like about future projections and whatnot, should we know? And the show deals very heavily in terms of its philosophical conversation about uh, determinism, uh, the concept, the philosophical concept of determinism and what that means for our lives, you know, or do we live in a fixed state where the past, the present and the future are all kind of decided because of cause and effect? It's a really cool concept. The idea that like, if you can understand a cause, you can kind of project out an effect. If you can see an effect, you can kind of um, divine what the cause was. And by using the computer that they're building, the program that they're building, they're able to kind of see a picture of that. It's, it's really, really interesting. And it's really interesting. The, the scope of the show and how it takes in kind of not just the tech side, like I said, but it also goes into kind of the more, the broader problems and the broader things that might come up between like governments and uh, secret agencies and stuff like that. And how everybody's kind of in a new space race, a new trying to get there first with this new paradigm, this new technology. And it deals with that. Uh, I think pretty well. Um, and it's really the show at the end of the day is really grounded by like some fantastic characters. Everybody is like really rich and everybody is really not rich wealth wise, but like rich in character. They're very well etched. And uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that comes up about their motivations and who they are as people and how determinism kind of works into that. And, and uh, especially with Nick Offerman's character, who is kind of the second lead of the show, I would say. It's um, a young woman, uh, Sonoyo Mizuno. Uh, and if you've seen Ex Machina, she actually plays like kind of the, the maid uh, AI robot that's in the movie. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting how they kind of, the motivation and then the reality of what's happened kind of intersect. And they explore that stuff through action. 
and what they do in these situations and how that leads to things. Let's say it's super interesting. And I was really kind of compelled from the first episode. The first episode uh, brings in this fantastic mood and tone and just the mystery of it all is so compelling and so engaging. And it's one of the rare times I would say that I thought the payoff with one of these things, like uh, science fiction, you know, it's, you, it's easy to have a good idea, but paying it off, having some sort of conclusion that is satisfying in a broad sense, oftentimes doesn't happen because once you solve the mystery, it's just no longer compelling. And that's, but this, this series, while it does solve the mystery, it kind of just opens the door to all this new stuff. Once you kind of get a full picture of what people are after. Uh, with this technology. It's very, it's very compelling. It's very cool. I would uh, 100% recommend that you go binge it right now. Give this thing some love. And then when you do love it, fucking throw it on your social media. Throw it on t- Twitter. Uh, show or Facebook, whatever. Just tell other people to watch it. It's very underseen, like I said. It's done critically pretty well, I believe. Because uh, Alex or Alexander Garland, Alex Garland, rather. I don't know why I call him Alexander <laughs> formally. But, uh, he is, he, he really has managed to kind of find the sweet spot between kind of human drama and like science fiction tech stuff and melodrama and pretentiousness. Like he, he balances it all super well. Uh, it's a great script, uh, first of all. And the way that they kind of dole out the episodes is, is, uh, is super well constructed, in my opinion. Um, it's not one of these like, kind of annoying shows. Not that it's, I find it super annoying, but there's a show uh, I'm sure most of you have heard of it at least uh, called Lost. And Lost was always predicated on breadcrumb mystery stuff. This show does not go that far. While it does have that element, it doesn't feel like the episodes are built around uh, the breadcrumb thing to help to like force you to make you want to watch the next episode. I remember when I watched Lost, back in the day and uh i came to it a few years into its run so i was buying the dvd box sets and that's it would i would be up all night because they would just leave you with something where you're like i have to see the next part i have to this doesn't do that this is more like a deliberate deliberate storytelling it feels less manipulative it feels uh i don't like i said kind of like a good novel like just uh very literary in that way and I, I really I appreciate the hell out of it for that. Um, it's so hard to find good science fiction in the modern era that actually deals with like big philosophical things. It reminds me a lot of something like if you read like Robert Heinlein, who wrote uh, Starship Troopers and then uh, this other book called The Puppet Masters, which is basically the precursor to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And also like Isaac Asimov, if you read his Foundation series, if you read I, Robot, uh, they deal with like these big philosophical questions more than uh, just kind of the minutia or the nitty gritty granted, you know, these people were not stupid people and they have, um, you know, scientifically minded stuff in those, in those stories. But really what they're getting at is they want to talk about the big philosophical stuff and they use science fiction as a vessel to do so. It's kind of uh, like why Star Trek is so good. You know, that's why Star Trek, you know, you can look back and say, ah, the production value is kind of cheesy. It's kind of corny. But the the principles that they're exploring in the show, the allegory kind of storytelling is so effective that the writing holds up like very, very well. And uh, I think devs 
while maybe it might date itself a little bit because it is very much a snapshot of a time of when we're really interested in this kind of topic and these are kind of things that are popular in the science fiction like the themes of the not the themes of the show but the um the plot machinations are, are very like of the now science fiction but i think this one has done it the best i think it's it's explored the concept the best all right so this is the point now where i'm going to get into some spoilers i want to talk just a little bit about the ending and some of the implications of the ending and and uh the cool twist that it was so you are now warned if you have not watched devs and you should stop this video right now stop it stop this podcast get away from it throw your phone out of the car smash your console throw your computer into a bathtub fill it with toothpaste get it fixed twitch support okay here we go so uh, to talk a little bit about the the program or the machine that they're building, it's basically a thing where it allows you to see into the past or into the future based on like predictions. Because like I talked about earlier, like the whole the cause and effect scenario, and what they're doing in, in the beginning of the show for the majority of the show, the first like four or five episodes, when you do see the programmers and whatnot, they they're trying to find a fixed state, the fixed state version of the world, um, this the kind of immovable object, the unchangeable scenario the deterministic model and then um, one of the programmers is kind of bored and then kind of goes against the grain a little bit and decides to get into this, the many world scenario and try to program it the program with this idea that there are multiple different uh, realities because of all the variables that are involved you have to take into account the variables of the variables and when you do that, you end up with kind of like string theory-esque kind of split timeline stuff. Now, I'm not an expert, not super well-versed, but that's what I got from the show. And I think that's I think that's pretty appropriate. So when they would see things in the machine after they kind of put in that calculus, that math, uh, you couldn't say whether or not it is actually the one from your reality. Even though it might be super close, we're talking about strands of hair being different, you know? Uh, the amount of gray in your beard might be different in one reality and the other, and that's the only difference. And they use in, in the in the show they use this uh, they use actually the seeing Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth they see like Jesus on the cross, and they use that as kind of the model to have this discussion a little bit. So the show is definitely uh, tipping its hat into the more like spiritual or esoteric a little bit because um, it does have to do with like you know what makes you real what makes you you is it your presence is it your the data of your existence you know if you were uploaded into this if the the, the data of your life was created inside of this thing is that it's just as real as the as the real you or is it the real you you know it's kind of the ghost in the machine type deal um and then even at the end they kind of uh, nick offerman and maybe the most <laughs> if there is a a slightly pretentious part of the show that you find out that devs is actually deus because it's the V is a U in Latin and uh, deus is Latin for God. So the, the idea that they were trying to make a God machine, kind of this omnipotent being that could handle all the data of existence and make pro uh, projections and show you things from the past. And it's, it's super interesting. Um, 
And what you find out at the end of the show is basically, I would say all said and done, that the show has been about simulation theory. Now, simulation theory is this idea that we're all in some type of matrix and we just don't know it. And we don't know how how deep we are into a simulation in the sense that, like, are we in simulations upon simulations upon simulations? Now, that it's a very intriguing concept. I don't know. I'm not saying I, I believe in that, but it is just something that I think is a lot of fun to think about for sure. Um, even Elon Musk thinks that there's like a very high probability that we are actually in a simulation because it seems like the the natural route of where we're going. You know, and you think about things like VR and you think about uh, projection algorithms and how those things work and how we would want to inject ourselves into a world that is better than the one that we currently exist in, which is a scary thought if you think about it. So if there's different layers to the simulation, all these different, oh, my phone, there's all these different layers to the simulation and all these different permutations, uh, how bad is reality at the bottom, right? You know, that's something I think about. Like, how bad is it? If this is actually the best life, this is your best life because you've, been put into a program that is supposed to facilitate your best life then how bad really is it it's kind of like that's you know in a lot of ways the matrix deals with a very similar idea actually back in the day when uh before the last matrix came out before matrix revolution came out i thought they were going to reveal that they were in another layer of the matrix i thought that it was going to be a simulation within a simulation that's not what happened uh <laughs> unfortunately because i think it was just would have been more interesting than what they did but that's that's a discussion for another time, I suppose. But yeah, when I, when I realized, I was like, oh, this is simulation theory. Like, it was so cool. It made the whole show click in a much different way. Um, and I thought that was a cool little twist. Because you think you're just watching something about people wanting to like, be able to predict the future and prove determinism without a doubt, shadow of a doubt. And, and, there, are, and there are realities to that. Because even if you know what's going to happen, you can't stop it from happening. You can't stop yourself from saying the things you knew you were going to say, even if you, have, if you have information, if you're privileged, have that privileged information about the future. Because you just are compelled. It's just what you would do in the moment. But it is already written. It's a fixed state. And at the end of the, like, I guess you could say it's like a, a somewhat positive end, somewhat up happy ending is that you find out uh, because of the many worlds theory, there is, you do actually have choice. You have agency. You are not a slave to the prediction. And that was really cool. It was really neat. And the way they kind of um, visualized it at the end when the two main characters, Nick Offerman and, Sonoyo Mizuno's character are in inside the machine, basically. Uh, they kind of tip their hat to this idea that, like, okay, the consciousness that you have right now, be happy. You got the good one. Like, there are probably other versions of you now that are inside the simulation that are like in worse in worse scenarios and they do it in a really clever way they just kind of change the lighting and make things look darker and stuff while they're having the same conversation across different dimensions or different realities uh different timelines it was it's really awesome i i would recommend it oh my god i i loved it so much i'm actually probably gonna watch it again uh which is crazy because i got a stack i got a fat stack of movies uh during this quarantine time this corona shit is Hurt my wallet, you know, a little bit, um, <laughs> much to my wife's chagrin, uh, 
because you just get bored, just bored at home and fucking you're like, oh, I need to I need to add this to my collection. Sure, I'll buy Mercury Rising, this crappy 90s Bruce Willis movie. Uh, Yeah, I would I would like I said, uh, Devs is great. Alex Garland's whole uh, filmography and writing is he's just he's just a really brilliant dude. And actually, I would I would recommend after you watch the show. Uh, there is he did a podcast with uh, Lex Friedman, which I don't know his exact title. I know he works in AI. They did like a almost a two hour uh, podcast, not just about devs, but about just uh, just his interest in science fiction and where all that stuff comes from and how he approaches his work and how he approaches his writing and the kind of feelings he has about the current culture and all that sorts of stuff. Because there's this other part of devs that I think is really really great is that the whole this the kind of the cult of silicon valley is very much present and how they are kind of like these unelected forces in the world um that are doing almost like you could suggest nefarious things whether or not that is their intention you know we i I wouldn't put malicious intent on a lot of these people because nobody sees themselves as the villain nobody sees themselves as the bad guy they think that they're helping the world and whether or not that uh, ends up being true is, I guess, really debatable. I mean, you know, when you think about people like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, like Elon Musk, like I mentioned before, uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, like these people, especially people like Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg, especially just because in the era of social media and whatnot, these, this is social engineering. Uh, they have so much control over the public conversation and public consciousness and their platforms have really bifurcated people and like different or even more than bifurcated, but just kind of fractionalized people into untold amounts of tribes and groups. And, uh, and oftentimes people do not explore outside of their tribes to try to find new information, new paradigms, new things to think about. So it keeps people in kind of wrapped in a bubble. I would say a lot of online discourse, a lot of places do that. Now I'm not saying I have the answer. What would you know? What should we should should we do about that? I don't really know. I do respect people's right to do those things um, and be fucking stupid, even if I think they're fucking stupid. I think sunlight is the best disinfectant at the end of the day, and I don't want to take like uh, make people martyrs. I don't want to take dissident groups and drive them further underground because the idea that you're gonna actually stop that discourse from happening is just I think foolhardy. It's just naive or arrogant. Uh, that you can just control people to that level. I, I don't I don't think it's even possible. So, and devs deals with a lot of that stuff, deals with the, the nature of those kind of people and what motivates them because they are people and they are motivated by the experiences of their lives, just like all of us. And I think it's a, a really interesting kind of deep dive into the minds of some of those people. Not all of them necessarily. Not all of them are as well etched as others, but not everybody has to be. Um, if there is one disappointing thing about the show, I thought like the kind of the cloak and dagger espionage stuff uh, didn't it, it was really compelling up until it wasn't basically. Uh, I just it's almost like they just didn't really know what to do. Like they have uh, this Grenier actor. What's his name? Zach Grenier. He's a great character actor. He's been around forever. You'll you'll recognize him. He's like the head of security for devs and you don't really get a good sense of why he's doing some of the things he's doing by the end of it. You're like, Oh, well I, this is way more personally motivated than 
I thought it was. And they don't, I don't think they really do a great job of building towards his conclusion. Now, granted that could change on a second watch. I could, I could change my mind about that. Um, cause the show is just that good. There's just so much, so much stuff to pay attention to. There's so many moving parts and it's really beautiful. And I would say another thing, like it's shot gorgeously. It is one of the best shot shows I've ever, ever seen. It's so cinematic. I mean, Alex Garland is such a, uh, just such a wonderful auteur. And he seems like he's got just a handle on every aspect of storytelling, especially these kinds of stories. It definitely has, it feels like it could take place in the same world as his other movie, Ex Machina. There's a lot of like similar, uh, the color palette's very similar. Some of the tone is similar. Some of even like the kind of music inspiration that feels similar. Oh, you know, it's another movie that he actually wrote super underrated as well is dread dread from back in 2012. I think it came out. Uh, not underseen at this point. I think it's, it's pretty much well established as a cult hit, and it was much more successful on home video than it was in the theater. It completely bombed in the theater. I saw that shit though. I'm a good boy. I saw that shit in 3d. It was great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, he's just so good, man. And I love, I just love the way he thinks about things. I love the way I love listening to him talk about technology and where we're headed as a, as a people. He has a really interesting, cool perspective it's kind of like reminds me a lot if you go watch old interviews of like somebody like arthur c clark who wrote uh co-wrote with stanley kubrick 2001 a space odyssey he wrote a book about it which is very different i mean i think uh, stanley kubrick actually is probably the greater mind of the two of them in that collaboration because uh, 2001 man if you haven't seen 2001 go watch 2001 especially if you're an adult it's not a movie i think that uh, it's hard to watch when you're younger. You just don't have like the perspective. You don't really understand enough about life. When I saw it when I was a teenager, I was enamored by it because of its, it's visually, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand it until I was in my 20s. And every time I watch that movie, it just reveals more of itself and more interesting things to think about, new layers. and It's so good. It's so good. And it was cool when I uh, going back to that podcast I listened to uh, with him and Lex Friedman. Uh, he talks about uh, 2001's influence on his life as a creative, and it's uh, it's really awesome. It's really good. It's nice to see people with respect. You gotta have that respect out there, boys. Gotta respect it. Anyways, but yeah, I think that's gonna do it for me. I've rambled long, long, quite long enough. If you haven't checked out Devs and you're still looking, uh, and you're still listening to this. I would say still watch it, even if you know the end. The journey is worth it. The journey is worth it. And I think, you know, honestly, like, I, I think it's it's uh, it's kind of mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing how good it was. I, I, w- I had expectations because I'm a big Alex Garland fan, and I've, I've liked everything he's done thus far. Uh, I think he's kind of batting a 1,000. Maybe not so much The Beach, but I don't know how much that's his fault. I didn't read the book The Beach. I think the movie's okay. But that's probably the weakest link in his in his filmography chain there. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Devs. It's worth watching, even if you know, even if you had it all spoiled for you. I did not get into everything, uh, but just the, the the broad concepts that it explores, the way the, the narrative unfolds, it's great. It's great. One of my uh, new favorite things. So, anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for watching, and uh, we will see you next time. We watch something and we feel like talking about it.